So none of us set out at any point in our life with the intention of ruining our life. Like you, you never had that conversation with yourself. Uh, when you were 17 or when you were 20-something or 30-something or 40-something or 50-something, you, you never thought, my whole goal is to really mess up my life. That's what I want. I, I, I want to complicate all of my relationships. I want to sabotage my future. Nobody, nobody thinks that way. When you ask somebody their five-year plan, if you ever have that conversation, what's your five-year plan? What, what's the plan for your future? Nobody says, I just, I really want to mess everything up. That, that's what I'm going for. And, and yet, we all have the capability of making decisions that really mess up our future. Making choices, going down paths that really complicate what we could experience in our future, perhaps what God wants for our future. Now, in this series, I'm not implying that everything is our fault. That's, that's not what I'm implying. I'm not even implying that every bad thing that happens to us is somehow our, our fault. I'm responsible for this terrible thing that happened in my life. Obviously, there are other people making choices and decisions in, in our world, and sometimes those decisions crash into our lives. Sometimes circumstances are what they are. Life is what it is. I, I, I'm not blaming us for every bad thing that happens in our life. I'm saying you and I should take full, full responsibility for our role in the things that happen in our life. Our decisions, our choices in our life. Because while you and I aren't responsible for everything that happens, we don't choose everything that happens, every negative thing that happens. We are fully responsible for how we respond to everything that happens. We're responsible for how we react to every single thing that happens in our life. The, uh, the thing that I do after the thing happens, that's on me. The choice that I make after somebody else made a choice that affected me, that, that's on me. Once the thing happens, then the thing that I do after that is 100% my decision, and my, my choice. And so, uh, while there are people and circumstances that impact our life, the greatest influence on the trajectory of my life is me and my decisions. And the, the greatest trajectory on your life is you and your decisions that you make. And, and so, in this series, we, we've talked about two things already. We've said one of the ways that people sabotage their life is they continue to make the same bad decision over and over again. In other words, they never learn. They, they never gain wisdom from the bad decision they made a year ago or five years ago. They never grow. They, we might say they, they never mature because they don't learn from their mistakes and they keep making the same one and somehow convince themselves, rationalize to themselves that the fourth time they make this decision is going to somehow be different from the first three times. And everybody around them knows that it's not. That number four is going to end up the way number three did and number two did and number one did because you haven't changed anything. You're not doing anything differently. And then last week, we said that one of the ways we sabotage our lives is in the relationships that we choose. The people that we allow to have influence in our lives, whether that be close friends, whether that be the person that we're dating, whether that be the person that we choose to marry, 
Choosing someone who is unhealthy for us to be in a close relationship with is one of the main ways we sabotage our lives and we sabotage our futures. Now, the one we're going to talk about today is, is different from the first two, but still leads to a lot of dysfunction in people's lives, and, and that is fear. The hesitancy that comes from fear, the choices we don't make because of fear, has the potential to sabotage our lives. Now, it's different from the first two because the first two are obvious choices. I choose these decisions that I've made and the ones I keep making over and over again. I choose the people that I'm in relationship with. Fear doesn't always feel like a choice. And, and the reality is fear's not always a choice. It's an emotion that sometimes just appears in us. And the, the emotion of fear isn't always a choice. My reaction to fear, my reaction to that emotion is a choice. H have you ever hidden somewhere and jumped out and scared somebody? Did they choose what happened in that moment? Did they decide? You jumped out and yelled and they went, I, my I'm going to elevate my heart rate. I, I, nobody chooses that moment, that feeling of being afraid. They, we don't choose what our arms do, right? Our, what, how our body responds, what our legs do. The word that came out of our mouth at that, at that moment. Yeah, it's like there. It's like that emotion is on us. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't always choose that feeling. We choose what happens next. We choose how we're going to get even, right? We decide the next move after we feel fear. Well, fear in a general sense is that way. I don't choose it. It's something that happens. And then I choose what I do after that. Once I recognize that I'm afraid, I choose what happens next. All throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, God appears to people and says, don't be afraid, or fear not, depending on your translation. Don't fear. Don't, don't be afraid because that person finds themselves in circumstances or relationships that are fearful, that are creating fear. And so God steps in and says, let's make some decisions about this emotion now. Let's not just go on feeling this way. Let's, let's not go on pulling back and hesitating do not fear. See, when it comes to fear, there's the moment that we recognize the fear. Like it registers, I'm afraid. I, I, I have some form of anxiety going on. I have some form of fear going on. So there's the moment that I recognize the fear. And then the moment after that when I decide what to do with my fear. And, it, and it's good to separate those two. Fear is a feeling. It's an emotion. We're, we're all going to feel it to some degree or another, but we also get a choice in how we're going to handle that fear. If you think about it, there, there are certain fears that are quite helpful. They, they promote a good next decision. Sometimes we feel fear as a warning signal to say, slow down, stop. This is the wrong path. Don't go there. 
Don't do that. It's like the lights on your dashboard in your car. I drive a 2005 Toyota Camry that has 311,000 miles on it. And my dashboard has lots of lights, I'm finding out. I'm seeing more lights at 311,000 miles than I've ever seen almost like Christmas every day. I'm seeing lights. Those, those lights are saying, hey, you need to check this out. You need to do something. Warning, problems could be coming. There's some fear that's healthy in that way. It's, it's great to be warned. Um, Husbands, when your wife say that, says, does this dress make me look fat? Like there should be warning lights. Slow down. Think carefully before you speak. Right? Some fear is a very healthy thing to slow us down and to make us think about the next decision that we're going to make. But fear doesn't make the decision for us. Fear is just an emotion. It doesn't make the decision. You and I have to make the decision. Not only is there, on one end, fear that's helpful, but there's also on the other end, there's fear that's irrational, right? Some of us have irrational fear. They don't seem irrational to us, but they are. Like, we shouldn't be afraid, and we are. Some of us have an overly sensitive fear emotion. It just, it's there all the time. Anxiety and, and, and fear of the fear is just always there. And so the decision has to be, I, I can't fear everything. I can't go through my whole life fearing things, especially those things that I shouldn't be afraid of. Our decision about fear is similar to a lot of our decisions and a lot of our habits. There is a compound effect to the decisions you and I make on the other side of fear. There's a compound effect. What I mean is, if we develop the habit of always pulling back when we fear, of hesitate, of not making a decision, of running away, then once I do that, it's easier to do that the next time I fear, and the next time I fear, and the next time. I'm, I'm setting a pattern in how I deal with my fear. The opposite is when we face our fears, that's, that's what we sometimes say, when we face our fear, when, when we have courage through fear, the compound effect of that is I'm able to face the next fear with greater courage. I, I get in a habit of how I face my fears. So here's sort of the big picture of the message, and I'm going to say this several times today. Here's what I believe about our lives and about those choices. I believe that faith and fear, we're always going to know. We get to decide which one will grow. Faith and fear, we're always going to know. You're always going to have times in your life where there's anxiety, there's worry, there's Fear, there's the unknown, always going to have that. You always have the potential to trust and to move forward with courage and to have faith. We, we all have both of those options, and ultimately, you and I get to decide which one's going to grow, which one we're going to nurture, which way we're going to respond when we're faced with potentially overwhelming circumstances. Am I going to give in to my fear 
Or I'm, am I going to lean more towards faith? In the New Testament, the word that's translated fear the most often literally means flight. It means to run away. It means those things that cause me to want to get away as fast as I can, to run away, to, to get out of the, that circumstance. Again, sometimes that's healthy, sometimes that's irrational. Most of the time, it's somewhere in the middle. And, and, and here's the thing about fleeing when I feel fear. You just can't run away from everything all the time. Not if you and I want to become who God's created us to be. Not if we want to experience everything that God has for our future. Every time we come up against fear, we can't run away. The, the reality is, I, I think if, if we were honest, if you look back at your life and, and, and you think about your, your greatest accomplishments or those, those times that you're the most proud of or, or the greatest achievements in your life, Probably almost every one of them came after some period of fear. Some period of, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm smart enough. I don't know if I'm talented enough. I don't know if I'll get in. I, I don't know if I'll be accepted. I, I don't know if I can do this job. Probably most of the moments that you're the, the proudest of in your life, the greatest achievements of your life, they came after working through some fear on the front end. And if you and I develop the habit of always running, of always fleeing, every time we come up against fear, we're never going to experience what's on the other side of fear. And it's not, not just personal. And I, I think when you read the Bible, you find that often God's greatest plans for an individual are on the other side of that person's fear. It, it, it's why... God often sent angels or, or, or He spoke into people's lives to say, fear not, fear not, fear not. Keep moving forward, keep moving forward. I know the emotion is bearing down on you, but my plan for you is on the other side of the fear that you're feeling. So you can't keep running. And sometimes we don't even have the choice to run. There are some things in our life you can't run away from. It is in your life. It is there. You can be afraid of it, you can hesitate, you can try to wait, but it's not going away. So you and I have to find a way to walk through our fear into what God has planned for us. Now, Paul writes in the New Testament, he's writing to uh, his protege, uh, Paul is a mentor to a young guy named Timothy who's becoming a pastor and a leader in the church. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, uh, fearful is the word, it does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Fearfulness on this side, that's not what the spirit of God is. Instead, what the spirit of God gives us is power, love, and self-discipline. Now, you, if you know anything about Timothy, he was, he was a young leader, he was a, he was a young pastor, but everything we read about Timothy leads us to believe he was a very anxious young man. He was fearful, he had a lot of insecurities. He was always wrestling with this, 
Am I the leader I need to be? How, how am I supposed to confront this? And so often, Paul is encouraging him. He had just said in the verse before, like, you got to stir up the gift within you. Look, man, you got to dig deep. You, you, you got to find what God has put in you and you got to let it out. You got to bring, come on, you can do this. He's encouraging Timothy because Timothy has this history of, of being insecure and hesitant and fearful to the point that Timothy apparently had stomach problems. He had ulcers or digestive problems or stomacher. Paul has to address that at one point. Say, dude, chill, like relax. You, God is going to use you. And specifically in this verse, he reminds Timothy, the spirit that's in you, the spirit of God that's in you is not a spirit of fearfulness. The spirit of God is not a coward. The Spirit of God can give you boldness. He really can. I know, Timothy's personality did not match up with that. But Paul said, in spite of that, in spite of that personality, in spite of all that you're feeling, Timothy, the Spirit of God wants to give you power is the first word. And it, it comes from a root word which means possible. Like powerfully possible. Not fearful, but Timothy, the work of the Spirit in you makes things powerfully possible. So stop shrinking back. Stop thinking that everything's going to overwhelm you and everything's going to be too much for you or too big for you. You have a spirit of powerfully possible at work inside of you. Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 19 and he says, With man, this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible, and that possible word comes from the same root word as power that Paul is using. Powerfully possible when God is involved. You've got to believe that. You've got to trust that, which is, which is why I say fear and faith I'll always know. I, I decide which one will grow. I decide whether I believe the Spirit of God is powerfully possible in me to face whatever is in front of me. And Paul also said, the Spirit gives you self-discipline, which may sound odd in talking about fear, but I think what Paul is saying is, Timothy, the Spirit will give you the self-control to take the steps you need to take in spite of your fear. It will give you the, the self-discipline to know, yes, this is overwhelming, this is big, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I know what I need to do next. I know this is the step I need to take in this situation, even though I don't know how that situation is going to turn out. I, I have a little bit of fear about that situation. When I'm at my best in handling fear, that's kind of the route that I take. When there's something out there somewhere that's coming, and I know it's coming, and I know it has the potential to go wrong, then I, I just try to ask myself, what can I do today to try to work on that? What is the step I need to take today to make some progress in this thing that I'm fearing? It's coming three months down the road. What can I do today to make that better? I think that's part of what Paul's saying. He's given us the spirit of powerfully possible. He works in us so that we don't just sit around being afraid. We don't just sit around thinking of all the negative things that could happen. We actually start taking some steps because we have the spirit of self-control. We have the spirit of self-discipline to start moving forward. And he also includes in that list love. 
when we feel afraid, the Spirit of God is in us making us able to love other people. Um, I, I think in this incident, Paul is saying, Timothy, as a leader, as a person who's feeling pressure, you're feeling fear, not only is God giving you the ability to, to move forward in power, not only is He giving you self-discipline to, to take the next step, but He's also giving you, in spite of the fear that you're feeling, He's giving you the ability to love other people as you walk through this. I don't know what your experience is. You probably like me, but you know people who have been anxious around you. They've been fearful. They, they've had something big going on in their life, and they're just awful to be around. Like, you have any people like that in your life? Like Whenever they get stressed, everybody else gets stressed because they're just mean, and they're short, and they're snippy. and they're. I think part of what Paul's saying here is that God's given you power. You're not on your own. You're not going to be overwhelmed and overcome. God is walking with you. God's giving you self-control, self-discipline to take the right next steps. And God's even going to give you the ability to love people while you're in the middle of this. While you're feeling the stress of this current situation, God's going to allow you to keep showing compassion and love to other people. Because not only have other people done that to you, maybe the more personal question is, you've probably done that to some other people too. Like, I don't know how you react when you get stressed. You may be the sweetest person on earth. I doubt it. Right? Like, when we get stressed, we just have this way of reacting. And Paul reminds us, the spirit that's in you, he's not only helping you with power and self-control, he's helping you to keep loving people as you're walking through that. Now, another one of the authors in the New Testament connects love and fear. A guy by the name of John, he was one of Jesus' disciples. In 1 John chapter 4, he writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And primarily, John is talking about the way God loves us and accepts us and, and values us and sees us, and knows us. And John is, John is saying, look, if you, if you get that, he had just said, God is love. Like, if you, if you rest in the acceptance and love of God, what is there to fear? The creator of the universe loves you. His eye is on you. He cares about you. If you're walking in that every day, and you know that the sovereign God is putting his love on you, what on earth are you fearful of? And, and certainly, he, he's saying, the way God loves us, we, we ought to love other people this way. And we ought to love so completely and overwhelmingly of other people. But God has put his love on us. And where there's this kind of love, when I know that I'm loved by God, it drives out fear. It drives out anxiety. It, it drives out stress because I'm accepted and loved completely by God. He includes this, uh, this phrase, um, fear has to do with punishment. And, and, and some people think that that's the, the fear of the negative results that are coming. Like whatever thing I'm fearing, I, I'm viewing that as a punishment. Maybe I'm viewing that as a punishment from God. Because I don't understand how completely God loves me. 
and, and, and how he's wiped out my sin and forgiven me, that, that I keep worrying that God's punishing me by the stuff that's happening in my life. And, and on the one hand, John is saying, no, 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 you, when you understand how loved you are, you know that God's not punished. That's not what that is about. Other people think he's saying that when we fear, we're already starting the punishment of whatever that thing is that we fear. Like before it even gets here. Because I'm anxious, because I keep turning this thing over and over in my head, because I keep worrying about it, because I'm so fearful about that thing that's happening next week, I'm giving that thing power today. Even though the negative thing hasn't happened today, but because I'm fearing, that fear is its own punishment. That fear of what might come, I've already started the punishment. We say this about um, bitterness. We say that bitterness is allowing something that happened in the past to have power in my present. So this thing's already done, but I keep thinking about that thing. I'm still angry about that thing. And so I'm giving this thing that happened in the, in the past power over me in the present. Fear is the same thing for the future. I'm looking ahead to something that hasn't happened, that may never happen, and I'm giving it power over me today. And John is saying, that's, that's not the way love works. When, when you understand the complete love and acceptance of God that He has for you, you don't have to keep worrying about what's coming because the God that loves you today is going to love you tomorrow, and He's going to love you next week, and He's, he's going to love you into the future. But you and I get to choose, right? F- fear and faith, I'll always know. I decide which one will grow. I, I decide whether I'm living in the acceptance and love of God or whether I'm choosing to focus on the fear of what's coming in the future. In Isaiah 41 the, the people of God are in captivity. They've, they've been taken away from their homeland. Um, <clears throat> they're living in a foreign land, foreign culture, foreign religion. They have no idea what the future holds. They don't know how long they're going to be there. They, they don't know what their existence is going to be like. They don't know if they're ever going to make it back home. They don't know what the king's going to decide about them and, and, and how they'll get to live. So, so there are things to be fearful of. And in Isaiah 41, God comes to them and, and basically says, Look, I, I want everybody to listen up. Everybody, everybody, give me your attention. This is what God's saying at the beginning of Isaiah 40. Everybody listen up. Everybody listen, I, who do you think is in charge of everything? All this fear that you have, all this worry that you have about... Who do you think is sovereignly ruling over all things? It's me, God says. I, I know your particular circumstance is creating this level of anxiety. In you. Who do you think is ruling over everything? He says at one point, I, I have a king that is coming and he's going to overthrow the Babylonians. And I'm, I'm marking out his path as he gets there. So that he can overthrow the Babylonians. And eventually that king's going to let all of you go back home. And you don't know that yet. But I'm in charge. He mentions that the people of Babylon are, they think everything's fine. And they talk to each other and they think everything's good and everything's great. 
But God is ultimately in control of everything that's happening. He says in verse 8 of Isaiah 41, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I know you're afraid. I know that emotion is there. I, I know you're hesitant. I know you're worried about the future. You're my child. I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm not only in control of everything, but I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I see you. I know where you are. So don't be afraid. Don't be Dismayed is the word that this translation uses. Dismayed was a word that meant to look all around in bewilderment. That sense of looking at your circumstances. I don't know what's going to happen. All of this is coming. All of this is happening. That sort of frazzled, gazing around, looking around. I don't know what's, what's going to happen. God says, would you stop looking at all of those things that you're fearful of? And would you start looking at me? Would would you remember that in spite of all of these things that are calling for your attention, I'm still above all of those. I'm still directing all of those. I'm in control of all of those. Would you please stop looking all around at your circumstances? Start looking to me. See, when you and I focus on our circumstances, it's our fear that grows. Because it looks overwhelming. We, we don't have all the answers. We don't know how it's going to work out. Versus if, if I can focus on God, then my faith will grow. Either my fear is going to grow because my vision is focused on that thing that's coming. Or my faith is going to grow because I'm focused on the God who is over that thing. Fear and faith, I'll always know. I get to decide which one will grow He says in verse 13, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. I'm not just off in the heavens somewhere watching things happen. I'm not just a distant God. I'm holding your hand. If you'll look to me, if you'll remember, we're in this together. I'm walking with you. I'm holding your hand. Next verse, he says, do not be afraid, you worm Jacob, little Israel, do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I wonder, why why is God calling him a worm? That doesn't seem very nice. God is saying, "I, I know your circumstances feel overwhelming to you. I know you feel little bitty. I I know you feel outnumbered. I know you feel alone. I know you feel like your adversaries are larger than you are. You're just little Israel, like the size of a worm. I know that's what you feel. Don't be afraid because I'm on your side. I see you. I'm walking with you. I'm holding your hand. And you're going to have to decide. Is your fear going to grow or is your faith going to grow? 
Because ultimately, you and I decide that. Fear and faith, we're always going to know. We're always going to have those two options. When we walk into difficult circumstances, you and I decide which one we're going to move towards, which one we're going to trust, which one we're going to rest in. There is a God over this universe who is at work, and He knows you, and He knows me. And He knows all of our circumstances. He knows all of our fears. If you're here today, and I I normally don't say this. If you come here regularly, you know I normally don't say things like this. But if you're here and and you don't believe in God, honestly, I don't have a lot of encouragement for you when it comes to fear. I don't have a lot of answers for you. When it comes to facing fear, I mean, I can tell you to believe in yourself, but that's probably not going to get you very far. I I can give you some self-help advice, maybe. But it's only when we believe that there is a God powerful enough to have created this universe and to be directing all things even though the world's broken, even though the world's not as it should be. There is a God over it all who's bringing everything to its rightful end. And when we believe that powerful God loved us enough to send His Son into the world to live and die and rise again so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could be in relationship with Him. And we believe He loves us so much that He takes our hand. He never abandons us. He never leaves whatever we're facing, whatever tsunami's getting ready to crash over. God is there. And outside of a faith that there is that God who knows me, there just aren't a lot of answers for fear. Do your best. I mean, I mean, life, apart from that God, life is just random and chaotic and stuff just happens. But because I believe in that God, I believe that everything that happens, He's directing and He's with me. Even if I don't understand the circumstances, even if I can't explain everything, that He is with me. I can trust that when I fear. I can lean on that when I fear. I can lean on Him when I don't have all of the answers. And, and if, you, if you have not come into relationship with Him, then do it today. Put your trust in the God who not only created you, but sent His Son to die for you and rise again for your sins and your redemption and your forgiveness so that you could be in relationship with this God who wants to walk through everything with you, who wants to be with you anytime you fear. Give Him your life. Trust that God. Father, thank You that we are not alone in this universe. Thank you that we are not just some random speck floating through space. Thank you that we're not some random chaotic accident. 
but that you, the all-powerful God, created us. And not just physically made us, but you have purposes for our lives. You have plans for our lives. And so you want to walk us through fear. You want to walk us to the other side because that's where your purposes usually are, on the other side of our fear. God, if there's somebody here and they haven't put their faith in you, the God who ultimately is sovereign and controlling in all things, let them do that today through your son Jesus who lived and died and rose again for them. Let it be today. They put the full weight of their trust on Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen.